HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Today is Wednesday, January 29th, and this is the fourth show of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, we're going to be talking restaurant real estate with my special guest, who I will introduce soon. And as I do in every episode, I will have my PR tip, speed round questions, restaurant news discussion, solo dining experience of the week, and the final question. So as your host and the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip off the show with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to know who and what you're pitching before you pitch. So what that means is it's, it's pretty much common sense. Uh, you should read a writer's column and know what they cover before you suggest an idea to them. The same with TV segments. Be sure to watch the show and know the host names before you pitch them. Because many times people pitch the media without fully understanding what they cover. And this ends in ends up wasting your time and theirs. So do your research before contact, contacting the media. Results will be far more effective. Okay, so now I'm very excited about my guest today. It is Leslie Sybin. She's the Director of Restaurant Retail Services at Sybin & Carr. In 1993, Leslie joined Winnick Realty Group to focus on boutique-style restaurants and luxury apparel. At Winnick, she developed strong relationships with the city's top chefs and restaurant owners, as well as attorneys, contractors, and other industry professionals. In 2002, Leslie joined JDF Realty, looking to expand her already thriving restaurant real estate practice. 
She soon became New York's leading restaurant brokerage specialist for high-end boutique restaurants and succeeded in brokering some of the largest restaurant deals in the city, including Morimoto and Budokan, two restaurants that transformed Chelsea Market. In 2012, Leslie formed LB Realty Services as a platform for the brand Sybin and Carr. Whew. So, welcome, Leslie. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive, right? Sounds good to me. Yeah, it sounds good to me, too. So how, did you, so, how did you get involved in restaurant real estate, or real estate to begin with? You know, I was doing other stuff. Um, I hate to say this. I was uh, in labor law, and it wasn't fun. It just weren't nice. But I hear you. I always love, <laughs> I always love to... Uh, Work a deal and negotiate. I loved working with people. I knew I had a background, you know, an understanding of business and contracts. And uh, I slid into commercial real estate. And uh, how I got from there to food, well, I love food. and I do too. It just happened. And then I thought, oh, this is fabulous. Almost nobody else in commercial real estate is doing this. So I ran with it. Well, you certainly did. And so what, when you started out, so when talk about some of the real estate deals you've worked with in the past that, uh, and what services you provide, how, how, how it works? Well, I've worked with all kinds. I mean, from little hummus shops to big things like uh, Budokan, which is like practically 18,000 square feet. And, uh, it's ginormous. Yeah, I mean, Budokan and Morimoto, Morimoto uh, together were like, uh, oh my God, over 30,000 30, feet. It, it and completely very expensive too. Oh, sorry, very expensive uh, from what I remember reading as far as rent. Actually, we pioneered the area. wasn't so bad. Okay. Um, the rent was if you if you talk to Stephen Starr now, he'd say, "Oh my God, it's the best rent of my life." What was massively expensive was the design, which Glenn can talk about with you next week. Oh, Glenn Coben. Glenn Coben. Uh, he didn't do it, but he would know all about it. And uh, well, as both places are are. One of a kind, and and yeah. Budokan especially is stunning when you yeah, walk in. Yeah, they are. They're beautiful, and uh, you know, again, he specializes in you know bringing in world-renowned architects and designers. But you know, I loved that deal because those two deals because we really were creating a market. Um, people just weren't. I mean, only neighborhood people were going down to Chelsea Market in those days, and all of a sudden, a whole neighborhood changed. All of a sudden, the meat packing got bigger, you know. So <clears throat> we really did almost a little bit of, uh, you know, tasty urban planning in a way. And uh, so I loved that one. I mean, another one where I felt was special was uh, the Smith on Second and Fifty First. Um, we had done the first Smith, and right. as well, we did their first restaurant. But this one. Second Avenue and 51st Street, no one could figure out why they wanted to be there. It's like, who's there? What's there? It's nothing. People. But guess what? People are waiting out the door to get in there. They just came out of nowhere. Um, So neighborhoods, restaurants can create neighborhoods. Restaurants, you know, can really um, change neighborhoods. Yeah, they have a great concept and. 
I don't know. Did you work on the one for Lincoln Center as well? I did not. I Be- wish I did. Well, well, that's that's my neighborhood, and uh, everything in my neighborhood is really fine dining. And so, as soon as that opened up, mm-hmm. it's like you can't get in. The neighborhood has just embraced it. Yeah. No. It's 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 brilliant. It's great planning. They always wanted it. I mean, to get back, you asked me another question. Like, what what do we do? What yeah, does Sadden and Carr do? do? Well, basically, as one developer once put it, we do restaurant deals. And that means sometimes we buy a building. So usually we lease a space for these people. And that involves understanding their concept and understanding the, the audience they're trying to attract and where they are. Where, is, where are these people? What the space should look like in terms of the basic bones of the space uh do they do they want everyone watching them cook do they not care do they need you know an open space uh and what neighborhood and then there's a lot of decisions and so far as their budget and their food prices where are we going to get them the rents that make sense sometimes we have to buy people out of their leases i mean there's Sadly, there's uh, no dearth of uh, restaurant operators that aren't doing well that need to sell their lease and get out of get out of Dodge. And uh, so we also look for situations like that. Um, it's uh, sometimes we talk with hotels. Maybe we can get them into a management deal. Um, that was always, you know, my labor law was always helpful with that because hotels really were union which is a massively expensive consideration. But anyway, enough right. of that. So we do those things. Um, we, we consult sometimes. People bring us in. They've gotten into a situation by accident on their own or maybe with somebody else, and they need help. So, you know, we could come at the beginning, the end. It really doesn't matter. Um, but we really, you know, we come in to help them understand the market in t- insofar as what they're trying to do is concern. Well, that's um, you. It's good you have the prov- you provide the consulting services as well because there are, there are a lot of decisions to make in the process of finding a location and opening a place. Yeah, and sometimes you know uh, somebody offers you a space, you don't have a relationship with them, or you do, but at the end of the day, they're working off of they're working from self interest. So you know. Uh, an operator needs uh, needs somebody on their team. Yeah, a little guidance. Mm-hmm. So, typi- or don't we all actually? Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what typically? How long does it take? This, uh, I mean, it, it's probably different for every account. I would assume in finding a location. Is it a very long process? Is it sometimes very quick? Like, boom, you just. You ha- you know the you you find the deal and it's it's done, but typically, what's the what's <clears throat> the range? Well, it's a range. I mean, Budokan, we found the space on our first uh, or second trip out looking at spaces, and Stephen Starr knew he loved it. It took me over a year to get the space. There was somebody else in it. It's a long, long story. And then here was a restaurateur from Philadelphia. Nobody knew him in New York. And we were competing against five other extremely famous New York 
based restaurateurs. So we had to do a, I had to do a, a massive campaign marketing him and making friends with everybody on the inside and trotting him in to be his charming self. So, you know, sometimes it gets to be a beauty contest, but that took forever, it seemed. Um, but the Dutch, I called them up. I told them about the space. They met me over there 45 minutes later. They said, we want it. We worked on the deal. It was a matter of months. Cool. So, you know, you just don't know. You don't know. I no. I figured it was an answer like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It could be like a forever. Um, I'm working on a deal now, which started 14 months ago, and I don't think we can close for another year. Wow. Well, so I'll have to bring know. you back so next you don't year know. and talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. But, uh, you know, so... There's well, no answer. Yeah, and you've had on your client list a, a, a variety of different types of restaurants, and I know you've worked with Shake Shack. So which all of which one? Oh, I did the Shake Shack deal in um, South Beach. Oh, it's awesome! It's a beautiful building called Eleven Eleven Lincoln Road, and um, I've been there because I grew up in Miami. Yes, yeah, so you know with the. The new, uh, the garage uh, was atta- uh, the garage designed by Herzog and Demuron attached to the SunTrust Bank. And it's a very cool space. Um, the developer did a beautiful job, and they're in there. I hope, hope they're slamming those burgers out the door. <laughs> I think they are. I think yeah. Lincoln Road attracts so many people, and they have the foot traffic. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, oh, I think it was a great idea for them. Um, so yeah, Shake Shack. Uh, I think they work with different people all the time. Um, And as well, now they're really all over the country. Yeah, I know. One started with one. And beyond. Yeah, no, there. Where did he open? He opened in, was it Dubai? No, it was (laughs) Hong Kong. It was somewhere. I'm blanking on where, but. Shelly Fireman's in Dubai. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's interesting to see that these restaurants are opening in Dubai. I've. Um, I haven't been there yet. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go, but it's it's um, it's very cool. It's got to be a pretty limited audience. Yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, you know, it's like India. Um, they will do. There are certain places that will do anything. Uh, developers will do anything to get you know the hip happening American stuff in there, um, and there's a real market for it. Um, Yeah, well, it's happening. So, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Listening to All Them Things by the California Honey Drops on Heritage Radio Network.org. I peeked in the sea. 
Welcome back. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and you're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today, my guest is Leslie Sybin of Sybin and Carr, and we're talking restaurant real estate. Okay, so Leslie, I saw this quote on your, on your website I wanted to ask you about. It, was, it said, it's from you, it said, It's exciting to work on the big stuff and gratifying that I complete deals with really experienced operators. No deal ever runs smoothly. It's just the nature of the business. So how is that? No deal ever runs smoothly. How do you deal with that? that is so true. (laughs) Um, Did I say that? Uh, Apparently so. I found it on your website. So No deal runs smoothly. Um, Actually, every now and then I see it, and to me it's an impossibility, to say the least. Uh, I don't know if it's because we're dealing with personalities. There's always a conflict of interest. Landlord wants a lot. Operator wants to pay as little as possible. Um, Space needs a lot of work before they start the build. Who's going to pay for it? There's a lot going on in every one of these situations. You know, there's lawyers that grandstand whereas everyone else is getting along. There's any number of crazy things that happen. Um, it kind of keeps it interesting. Do you think it's harder in New York City as far as real estate? or? Well, I do. Um, but bear in mind, I don't do too much out of New York. Um, but I really do, because in New York, every location, every block is specific. You know, you'll... You'll see this on Madison Avenue. In the 50s, is really different than 59th, 60th, 61st. Just is. New York, every few blocks, the world changes. Yeah, well, it's, it's, New York City is like lots of little mm-hmm. towns. Or it is. And, it is. you know, if you don't nail it, if you don't get a place where you can turn tables as much as you need at your price point, if you don't get it right, it's a very expensive mistake. Um, yeah, sure. your architects and designers will tell you. I mean, the build out is extraordinary. Um, the rents are extraordinary in some cases. 
Very few people can do what Keith McNally did, which was pioneer new neighborhoods that were just dirt cheap at the time. Not a lot of people can make that claim. Uh, so if you're one of one of the normal folk, these are huge decisions. Yeah, no, very true. Okay, so last week I had on Joseph Levy. He's an attorney with mm-hmm. Hellbron Levy and O'Donoghue. And I asked him to ask you a question. So his question is, how do you advise a client looking to open a restaurant or bar as far as do you push them in the direction of key money or renting a clean white box space? And I'll add to that if you could explain a bit what key money is for people out there who might not know. Okay. Uh, Key money, it's it's an important thing to understand before answering. Key money means somebody has a space, they're paying rent, they have a value in there. The location's good. Maybe the rent's really low for that location. They've got a liquor license. They're willing to trade it if they can. They've got venting in a kitchen. That has value. Um, they have something that you'd want if right. you're buy, if you're a restaurant operator. So if you can buy their lease and basically take over the space and become, you know, in the relationship directly with the landlord, it could be great. Buying the lease, the money you pay is known as the key money. Uh, I don't push them either way. Uh, sometimes it's so much better to have a brand new deal fresh with the landlord. And sometimes uh, it's great uh, to take over somebody else's space. You've got the venting already in. You already know that there's a liquor license capability in there. Um, and you can transition with your you know, specialist getting yourself in. Uh, it could be saving you money. Maybe you've got a low rent for a few years, and then, you know, you can step in with the landlord. There are advantages to both. It really right. just depends on, again, is it the right location? Is it the right shape? Will the dollars work? You know, how much is it going to cost you to build? Is this in budget? It's all a package. Makes sense. So in in your experience, just have you done more deals that were key money um, or or not? Or is it kind of mixed? I can't really put a percentage on it. I, I do a lot of deals that are direct, um, but I do a fair amount of key money deals. Um, so it might be 50-50. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe 30-70, 30-key money, 70. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to hold you to it. I was just curious. <laughs> but. Oh, very good. And uh, so someone, what would would you advise someone who's looking to open a restaurant and going about finding a space or, I mean, it's it's not an easy business to get into or to be in. Yeah, well, after I tell them they should really consider getting a degree in accounting, um, (laughs) they're really hell bent on it. There's some basics they've got to know. They've got to be aware, first of all. Um, they need to know about the restaurant business and how to run it. Uh, hopefully they do. 
or hopefully their partner who's very invested in the situation does. Uh, you'll see chefs who are great chefs, but they don't know about budget. You know, they'll have incredible ingredients with enormous food costs. This can throw a, a restaurant out of business pretty quickly. So you really have to have a team that knows how to run a restaurant and, and, and watch the bottom line every second. You got to get a good team to get yourself started. You got to have a lawyer that does restaurant deals. You cannot call up a litigator. <laughs> you will get what you get. Uh, you got to have a designer that understands you, that works with the budget, that really makes sense. You've got to have the right people on your team. You got to keep learning. You got to talk to everybody. Um, and you got to pick your space really carefully. Very true. And you got to have PR, right? Mm-hmm. You got to have good <laughs> PR. You, that's part of your team. You got to have, yeah, yeah, you gotta just... have good PR. You got to have a lawyer that, that knows how to do this stuff and how to get it done vis-a-vis all the personalities. Because a lot of egos involved, like any deal, right? Just like PR. Yeah. And, Experts in their field that work with restaurants. Yeah. yeah. Which is what this show is about. Yeah. Team is, team is crucial. And uh, and you better have your money lined up. Uh-huh. You gotta have your money lined up, and you gotta not have too little. Too many great places go in undercapitalized, and they're behind the eight ball within the first four months. You know, and that's a shame. Look at how many places you know, how many places closed down, and we can't figure out why. Great reviews. Yeah. Great word of mouth. Where did they go? Well, it's true. There's there's always places opening, especially in New York, and there's always places closing. Yeah. And there's also sometimes what people consider jinx locations a bit. Oh, yeah, jinx locations. I don't know how you feel about that, but you notice it. There's a place that just, I don't know, since the 15 years I've lived in New York, it's been six restaurants. It's, you know, it I changes I was interviewed, um, I can't remember who it was, I think it was The Post many years ago. And the topic was, is this, space, is this location jinxed? And um, I had done a deal uh, in a location like that. I used to call it my little annuity. Um, the first place I put in, it was a great, great operating team. Really nice concept. Um, really greedy landlord. Can't, now I can't tell you where it is. <laughs> They failed. Off the air, I might be able to find that out. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> failed. I brought in the next group. A great group, really fabulous, really successful. But the guy had six locations and enormous tax debt. So that killed him. Then I brought in the next group. They bought his lease. And they went through five different concepts. These guys have managed to hold on to the lease, but the concepts keep changing. Now, it's a great place. It's been in business for a few years. Everyone loves it. So, you know, you, a jinx breaks. Yeah, no, that's true. I can think in, of an example of a place. Well, I'll just say, I think Mighty Quinn's down on um, yes. 2nd Avenue. Yes, when it was Ike's and then it was whatever. It was bust, uh, whatever. a Scandinavian restaurant. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. They all lasted about a year or two. Mm-hmm. But I think Mighty Quinn's is is doing really well in there to stay. Yeah, it's usually the fourth or the fifth one, right? 
Yeah, but it's interesting <laughs> when you see, when you hear about a restaurant in a location, you're like, that one again? Like, what? I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, another one that comes to mind was the, uh, I guess it was Commune, and then and then it was the restaurant with Rocco, and then it was oh, Caviar yeah. and Bananas, and then it was Burrow Wine and Food, and I don't know what else, and it's been, now it's the Almond, and, and Almond is working. And for... I would guess about five years. Yeah, almonds yeah. doing great. So you know, mm. even there. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Well, all right, we're going to take a, another break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to do my speed round and restaurant industry news of the week. So you're listening to All in the Industry and Heritage Radio Network. Stay, stay with us. I ain't looking for no trouble. Tonight, I just want to hold you so nice and tight. You are listening to Let It Go by the California Honey Drops on Heritage Radio Network.org. I ain't looking for no showdown. Tell me you want some more Won't you stop all your keeping score now Just let it go now Let's talk it over Like what you hear so far? Support the network and become a member. Membership helps us bring you the best food radio in the world and gives you access to thousands of dollars in discounts at the sustainably-minded businesses that support us. To become a member, visit heritageradionetwork.org today. You, you kept on saying all the things that were wrong. Yeah, you did. Hi, welcome back. This is Sherry Bayer. You're listening to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. And now it's time for my speed round questions. So, Leslie, you're this is this is my my radio game <laughs> where we get to learn <laughs> we get to learn a little about about you. Is this word association? Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. So uh, basically, I'm just going to give you two choices, such as chocolate or vanilla, and you just tell me what comes to mind, what you prefer. Chocolate. All right, I'm chocolate too. Is there any other way? Apparently, but I don't know. I'm a chocolate girl. Always has been. Have been. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Oh, eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting. Small plates or large plates? Small. Uptown or downtown? Definitely downtown. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Love to tip. Don't you? I do. It's, 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 I, I have this, well, I have this in there because there's been a lot of talk about this all-inclusive change for some restaurants, you know, making, making it that way. But so far, all my guests, when I've asked them, have said tipping. Yeah. Just. Okay. A few more. Uh, we have... Dessert or cheese plate? Oh, dessert. Single unit restaurant or chain restaurant? 
Single unit. Yeah, that was an easy one. <laughs> Rent or buy? Hmm. I'll go with buy. New York City or New York City? I didn't have a place to challenge you with. New York City or New York City? <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't say Las Vegas, baby. All right. <laughs> if I did, what would you choose? New York City. All right. That's what I thought. Is there anywhere else? I, if someone asked me, I'd have to say New York City. Yeah. <laughs> so there's been a lot going on in the news this week. There really have. And yeah. and things related to restaurant real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so one of one of the articles was in the New York Post. Steve Cuso wrote about how Shelley Fireman from Trattoria dell'Arte and Cafe Fiorella, he has taken over the Wildwood space, which is Be Our Guest, was Be Our, well, part of Be Our Guest. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge space. It's 7,000 square feet about. Um, what do you know about about this? <laughs> well, uh, I knew that Steve's lease, that Be Our Guest's lease was coming to an, an, an end soon. And um, Shelley was a natural for it. Uh there's a very short list of operators who have successfully functioned in large space, um, who can capitalize the project and keep it going and keep the vibe. And it's also the kind of operator that's going to attract the business community. I mean, there's it's not a, just a residential neighborhood. There's a lot of business. There's millions of uh, square feet of, you know, business tenancy all week long. It's not far from all that crazy foot traffic that ABC Carpet brings on the weekend. Yeah, so. it's on. Par- so people who don't know, it's on Park Avenue South near Union Square mm-hmm. too. Also, there's a lot of traffic there. Yeah, so I think it was a great idea, uh, and. Uh, pretty well put together my understanding is it went like uh, very smoothly and uh, of course there's um, what's the other one oh you have something in the in the times today now I do I, I was very excited and this is full disclosure is I'm about to talk about a client that I'm working with um, it's called Exki and it is a Belgian restaurant market from from Belgium, obviously. And uh, they are opening their first U.S. location in New York. And Florence Fabricant wrote about it in her off-the-menu column as a looking-ahead piece. So if Florence Fabricant is writing about this, looking ahead a few months from now, you know it's going to be good, and I'm very excited about it. And there's there's a bit of a trend that's, I guess, growing in New York with these local organic, healthful... Oh, the locally sourced? Locally sourced. Farm to table? Seasonal restaurants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we met at Sweet Green, that's which right. our friend Rita Jamais' son, he's one of the owners, and Nicholas. that's... It's an amazing new new concept that came to New York. They started in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, and there's also the Little Beat, which Franklin Becker just opened in Midtown. Mm-hmm. That's all this very fresh, organic healthy food that's 
that's growing in here. And both these guys are really going in different directions. I mean, Sweet Greens um, is very specific. I mean, it's these fabulous salads, soups. The menu is limited, and yet you will see people waiting halfway down the block out the door to get in. Yeah, I've um, heard the line is is ridiculous at lunchtime or mm-hmm. other times. The prices are moderate. You're in and out. The food is fabulous. I mean, yeah, it's great. I don't live in the neighborhood, and I no longer work in that neighborhood. And I get down there easily twice a month just to eat that kale Caesar salad. It is amazing. But um, I'm not chilling for him. Uh, <laughs> Franklin's situation is interesting because he's in an extremely powerful business area. I mean, uh, to the east of him is Radio City, and to the west of him is major, major, uh, you know, business community. Foot traffic, that's seven days a week. So he can really do a whole different thing. I mean, he's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's a real menu. Um, yeah, I have plan. I'm supposed to meet a friend there later this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Because he's a great chef, and this is a new direction, in a sense, for him from this is, he was, you know, more just a restaurant. Restaurant chef, like Abe yeah. and Arthur's, but right. now this is his own gig. Uh, I think it should be good. And, I think so, too. And, and that's a perfect example of somebody understanding a good location. Yeah, true. He can do breakfast, lunch, and dinner there. Yeah, and I think that neighborhood will embrace it, too, you mm-hmm. know, being... And Sweet Greens is going to roll out a few more locations in New York. You probably know, Sherry, they're opening up in Tribeca soon. They're going to be opening up in Williamsburg. They're going to catch the market. Um, I knew about the Tribeca one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing PR this year for a taste of Tribeca, so I Mm -hmm. hope they'll participate in that. And, uh, yeah, Tribeca's been been changing a lot, too, and and Brooklyn. Yeah, everyone's everyone's open in Brooklyn. Brooklyn's on fire. It totally is. And another story wanted to note it was in the New York Post about Keith McNally's pastis in meatpacking which the article was about how it was supposed to close at the end of this month it's now going to be closing at the end of March but it's a temporary closure because the landlord is just renovating the property and adding retail to the space so they're planning to open it said 15 months from now and I just thought that was interesting of a deal where you there's changes going on in the building, so you're not. He's not closing, but he's just. It's going on hold, <laughs> and people love Pastis. It's a very popular restaurant. Oh, Pastis is you know it's from the beginning of time. I mean, Pastis created the meatpacking district. Yeah, I mean, so it just did. 1999, it opened. But you know, uh, real estate development marches on, and uh, here's a building. With tremendous development potential. You've got new partners. They want to make their money. Got a good idea. They've got to take the building apart to do it. Um, so Keith can't operate while that's going on. I don't know if it's 15 months. Uh, I'd be surprised. But, you know, they can... they would be surprised to- if it was that long? Or it would... Well, they got to... Or it, you, think, you think it would be longer or less? Well, I could picture longer. I mean, they're doing uh, practically a, a redevelopment of the site, um, and it'll be great. My understanding for what it's worth is I think they're connecting it with the building around the corner on West 13th, 
So this is going to be a very interesting spot. And Keith will move back in, you know, as soon as he can start safely building. And, uh, and, and it'll be refreshed, renewed, and, and just a whole as, different world. And I assume just as popular. <laughs> I hope so, because he's, he, he's got a great gig. Yeah, no, he does. Okay, we're going to take another short break. We'll be right back with my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Don't say you love me when you do how you do. Please don't say you care. Girl, I know you've been untrue. You're listening to It Ain't Hard to Tell by the California Honey Drops on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The way he wants you to, I said, the way he wants you to. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Okay, so this week I went to a new hot Italian restaurant in New York City called Al Onda. It is from restaurateur Chris Cannon and chef Chris Jackal, and they specialize in Venetian cuisine. So I went in, I was dining solo at the bar downstairs. And my, my single dinner sort of turned into a not-so-single dinner just because many industry colleagues were there that night. And I wasn't that surprised because it's a, it's a new, anticipated place in New York, and so that's, that happens. The, the restaurant industry people flock to new, new hot places. So I saw a lot of colleagues, which was great. But I was still dining solo. Uh, I had the Campachi Crudo, which was so beautiful and delicious. And I also enjoyed my skate. And then for dessert, I got this perfect scoop of soy gelato. And I have to say, when I dine solo, I usually skip dessert because I'm really a dessert sharer. Uh, I just want a few bites. I don't want the whole thing. So... The bartender there actually convinced me to get this, and they had a lot of dessert options, but they made house-made, they had house-made gelato and sorbet, and you could get as many scoops as you wanted. So I got my one scoop, and it perfectly satisfied my sweet tooth. It was great. I would love to see more restaurateurs doing, I guess, mini desserts for us solo diners out there, because uh, I know there's a lot of you out there. And uh, I'm looking forward to going back and uh, probably dining upstairs next time, which is, the main dining room is upstairs, and uh, trying some of their pastas, which I heard were terrific. 
And and actually, anyone out there, if you do have solo dining experiences that you want to share back with me, you could go to my Facebook page, All in the Industry, and and let me know about it because uh, I would love to hear about other people's experiences. Okay, so we're we're just about the end of the show, but Leslie. I would like to ask you if you could ask my guest next week, who is Glenn Copen of Glenn & Company, which is an architectural and interior design company that specializes in commercial hospitality and retail design. If you could ask Glenn a question, and I believe you know Glenn. I do. (laughs) Glenn, I have so many questions to ask you, but I'll limit myself. Um, I've always been interested in how you got into the speci- the specialty of restaurants. I, I know completely how you could be a designer because you're a natural. But why restaurants? And how do you, what I call, vet your client and determine or get an understanding of what they need to be doing design-wise? And how do you work with these budgets? Um, some people have endless budgets and some are tight as a drum. How do you make all these decisions? Excellent. I will ask him all of that. And you can tune in less next week and hear his answer. Oh, I will. I <laughs> want to know what Glenn has to say. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thank you so much. Um, I've been talking with Leslie Sybin, who is the Director of Restaurant Retail Services at Sybin & Carr. You can find out more about her at SybinAndCar.com. And just so people know, it's S-I-B-E-N and K-A-H-R.com. Uh, you can find out more about me if you and my PR business if you go to BayerPublicRelations.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at All Industry and at Sherry Bayer. I would like to thank my engineer, Evan, who makes everything happen for the show that I don't know how to do. And if you miss this live broadcast, you can always find us archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org and we're on Stitcher. So thanks for being a part of All in the Industry. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Sherry Bayer, and I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Hope you'll tune in then. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.